Welcome back, all you beautiful people listening out there in podcast and YouTube land. It's me, your homeboy, Sam. I got Vince. I got Tyler. I got Timmy on the ones and twos. Hello, everybody. What up? What's going on? Hi. <laughs> we have a sad... Eagles fly. We have, we uh, have a sad one today. So, <laughs> uh, in case you got uh, everybody listening out there, and if you're living living under a rock, uh, the NFC and the AFC championship was uh, yesterday, and we got them results. Um, sticking to the plan, Vince, give me the the two scores from yesterday. All right, so a full slate of two games happened uh, on Sunday, January 29th, AFC title game, Kansas City outlast Cincinnati 23-20, and the Philadelphia Eagles beat the 49ers 31-7. Of course, we're going to discuss all of that uh, right now, actually. Yeah, so uh, was, uh, we're going we're gonna to start with uh, Eagles 49ers. Uh, let's start there. Um, definitely the did, not, did not this game was definitely not what we expected. I think we all expected something a little bit tighter. Um, 31, seven, um, 49ers just absolutely melted down. Um, in that final fourth quarter, not a good look. Uh, we'll break that down in a second too, but, uh, Vince, I got to start with you. Um, give me, uh, a summary of, 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 of the game, how you're feeling, and then uh, we'll turn it over to Tyler and get his rebuttal. And yeah. then uh, we'll have a lot of 49er and Eagles talk uh, throughout this episode. So just start me off there. All right. So obviously the first uh, major point of contention that happened was the fourth down conversion by Devontae Smith. Uh, replays ended up showing that he and he actually didn't catch the ball, but the Eagles were smart and got to the line real quick and snapped the ball before the 49ers could challenge. And then, uh, then, then we fast forward a little bit. Brock Purdy gets his um, elbow blown out basically uh, on a hit that ends up causing a fumble. Um, it was initially ruled an incomplete pass, but um, they, uh, the Eagles did challenge and that one was um, overturned. So that's a fumble. Brock Purdy is out for the game. But wait, he wasn't because uh, the replacement quarterback, Josh Johnson, comes in, the fourth stringer, for those of you keeping track at home. Uh, he comes in, he gets concussed. And so Brock Purdy, without a ligament in his elbow, has to come back in and basically hand the ball off for the rest of the game. He does attempt, I think, one pass, and it goes for like five yards. Uh, basically, as soon as Brock Purdy left the game the first time, uh, I, I, I lost a lot of hope. I was not exactly planning on the 49ers win at that point. Um, uh, it was seven, seven, and then it was not seven, seven, uh, going yeah. forward. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, I don't know. There, there's only so much you can do. Uh, like I, I, I get the feeling of dejection, but when it's a, when it starts to turn into a blowout and there's nothing you can really do, you have a guy who can't throw the ball at quarterback and he's only out there because there isn't an emergency fifth string quarterback. Uh, yeah. So I, I, what do you want me to say? I mean, it sucked to watch, but it was easier for me to digest it happening because I knew there was no chance. You know, it's not like the Bengals fans that are like, 
pointing out, oh, if only this happened or if only yeah. that happened. Like me, it's like, shit, uh, like I knew it was done. Uh, there's there's nothing I can really point to that says, you know, what if Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt? I mean, that's that's what I can point to. But he did. And that was the end of it. So just to interject Tyler, a little bit here, oh, go ahead. Uh, just to interject real quick before we get to Tyler. Um, that uh, that touchdown at the beginning of the game that the Eagles got and then, you know, scramble to line up and, and score. Um, the game was not decided there, you no. know, and then even the quote unquote questionable penalties and, you know, the the fire that the referees got under this game. I don't think any of those penalties or replay issues. There's some talk about uh, the NFL didn't have the referees didn't have a certain angle until later and Fox had that angle and this and that. I don't think any of these penalties or anything of that nature came down. Uh, none of that decided the 49er and Eagles game. Um, no, no. The I Eagles flat out won. The 49ers were, you know, they lost their quarterback. Who knows what happened if he was healthy, Brock Purdy. We don't know. Um, unfortunately, I think the only thing that I was robbed of, because my dog was not in the fight. Uh, we were all at home <laughs> you know, watching watching from uh, our boat in the desert. Um, and uh, is we wanted something a little bit more entertaining. Um, so that that's the, what I was robbed of is a more entertaining game. Uh, Tyler, uh, take your victory yeah. lap. Yeah, I was literally about to say, uh, start start circling. Uh, uh, take your lap, bud. I, I just want to point, last week's episode, I told you guys that this game was going to be won on the line. It was going to be won in the trenches, and that happened to be the case. Um, you know, we, we kind of had our way on fourth and ones and fourth and twos, but um, reality, 49ers defense was a solid defense throughout the whole entire game. You know, what happened is they just got worn out. They got worn out by one of the best O-lines in, in, in NFL right now. And um, I think once you got to the red zone, I think, you know, the 49ers seemed to either give up or you know, the fight wasn't there on the red zone. And it, it just, I think it just boiled down to winning it on the line there. Um, I do want to point out that Josh Johnson has to probably be the worst horrific backup quarterback I have ever seen how are you on how dare you insult nate peterman like that how 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 does josh johnson have 10 years of football experience 13 teams and doesn't know how to throw the ball you're telling me that when they got josh johnson in what week i don't know 10 a nine something like that when they got him Uh, it was later than that it was like third it it was it was when the jimmy g injury happened it was the next week So, so. so you're telling me that jimmy g got hurt you're on your third string quarterback and you don't let him practice with any of the second teams just to get some reps in, in case something happens to Brock Purdy, like your last line of quarterback, you don't do anything. So I, I think that was the most embarrassing thing. And also to, um, I'm not here to criticize Shanahan on not being able to call the, the challenge flag. Cause obviously he didn't have some angles, you know, what I am here to criticize him, though, is Josh Johnson is so bad. You got a guy who literally can't throw the ball forward that you don't call one timeout to try and figure something out for him. You go into halftime with all three of your timeouts and you can use a single one. You're bleeding out. You got to figure something out for this guy. And and Chinahan just basically deer in the headlights. As soon as Purdy went out, it was deer in the headlights for him. And I, I will criticize that for him. Um, again, Christian McCaffrey was the best player on the team. 
I mean, a best player on the field, hands down, definitely the best player on the field. And he only rushed for 84 yards and had a touchdown. I mean, Jalen Hurts wasn't great. You know, he went 15 of 25. He only threw for 121 yards. You know, uh, Miles Sanders had three, had two touchdowns, right? But one was, you know, that missed call that turned into that. You know, then we get a penalty from the 49ers, which then leads us to be able to get the second touchdown for him. So it wasn't like we blew the doors off. We played a great defensive team. We just wore them out. That's basically all that happened to it. And then, you know, I'm not going to speak offensively because you didn't have a quarterback. You're basically playing with your hands tied behind your back. So I don't, I told Vince, this is that you play whatever's in front of you, them, the breaks, that's all it is. And unfortunately it didn't go the 49ers way. It didn't go the way that fans wanted it across the board. Obviously I'm excited and ecstatic to go into the Super Bowl. but would I have loved to have played a, a full strength, healthy 49ers team? Yeah, absolutely. But that's just not how it happened. That's just not how the book was, was written. And again, I will see you guys. I think next year we'll see you guys. So not oh, yeah. worry about it. So, yeah. And you know, it's going to be uh, interesting when this 49ers team is led by Tom Brady. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, yeah, um, I, I'm hearing that that call is happening. A lot uh, than I thought. No, I, I think you're absolutely right, Tyler. The, um, the Eagles offensively were, they were blowing teams out the, you know, not just out the stadium, but out the damn town, you know, they were blowing teams out. Uh, they were running them, running them out. We had Suriani, you know, running down the field, mad dog in the camera, like he's a player, you know? <laughs> um, you know, and they didn't really have their best game. And the time of possession battle was so heavily favored uh, to the Eagles. And they, they, um, I think if that was any other defense, it would have been, you know, a 50 burger, um, you know, it would have been something ridiculous. Um, mm -hmm. And like I said, we were robbed of a more entertaining game. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it's closer. Maybe the Eagles still win. Um, but maybe it's by a field goal. Maybe it's by a touchdown. Um, but uh, fans were robbed of uh, something that was more competitive. Congrats to the Eagles. Um, you're the one Eagles fan this week has shown any sense of uh, uh, decency and uh, participation in uh, civilization. So. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Thank the, video, you. the videos out of Philly are kind of wild. You, yes, you uh, should see the bus um, stop outside my house. You know, you know. Um, yeah, there, there's been some some folks in the uh, in our local media market posting videos and sharing their their situation by by uh, going to Philadelphia and um, I don't know, man it. That's a that's an ugly look for any sports fan base. Is um, you know we we got to stop with the uh, the physical violence, you know, spitting on people, throwing food on people, and uh, racial slurs. And that's not that's all fan bases. You know, I'm not going to pick on the Eagles. I'm not going to pick on any particular fan base. Um, there's always a margin of of fan bases that do this, um, but we got to we got to we got to be better society. Um, you know, it's, it's sports, it's what's supposed to bring us together in, in, uh, competition and, and see the best in one another. Um, but some of those videos coming out is, is an ugly look and, uh, but all, t all teams, all fan bases have that. Um, but it's, you know, come on, if you're listening to this, you know, you don't need to treat your fellow fan like that. Maybe they're a fan of a different, uh, region or a different team or a different player, but, 
you know, we don't really need to use uh, racial slurs to get our point across. You know, we could, we could talk smack and have fun and, and be, be respectful at the same time. So, um, yep. We're all human I, beings first, right? Absolutely. I do, I do have a thing. I, I jumping back to the 49ers game. I, I had a question for you, Vince, and, and I'm curious as to what you think here. Okay. Um, obviously the, the Eagles defense got after it. You know, we, we caused three fumbles and had a couple only sacks. three sacks though, right? Yeah, only three sacks. So my question to you, though, is that Nick Bosa, this whole entire playoffs, not just the Eagles game, but every single game in the playoffs, hasn't recorded a single sack. Being your your defensive leader, is that telling to you? Does that does that bother you? Um, well, I think obviously in the playoffs, the teams are better, um, better competition, uh, you know, better offensive lines, you know, generally speaking. Um, I would say that it doesn't concern me nearly as much um uh because they're gonna focus attention on him i just like uh you know getting an extra man on him the entire time he he might have been like uh i mean we saw him get taken out a couple of times uh by by like you know rogue tackles and stuff like that like while he's on the sidelines so uh maybe he in this game in particular maybe he's just like didn't have that extra gear you know like it was taken uh, out of him when he got hit by rogue players at this point. I don't know. Um, I was doing also, a quick, uh, I was doing a quick stroll through a uh, 49er Twitter and Reddit, and uh, looks like uh, quite a bit of 49ers are fans are are out. The Javon Kinlaw experiment is over. Um, so a lot of people yeah, he had like a you know terrible game. Yeah, yeah that uh, Bosa needs help. You know if you're putting you know like vince said you know you're putting an extra blocker and sometimes two extra blockers like sometimes he's going against three guys right yeah. you know like you might as well take their best defensive player out of the game and um you know run the ball away from them. <laughs> you're gonna do things to get away from them yeah uh, uh, uh vince you were gonna make another point um, um also i was gonna push back and say that fred warner is the best niners defensive player um not nick bosa uh but that's also personal preference because I like linebackers more. And I also don't like uh, Confederacy fans more. I think there we see, are. The, the problem with Fred Warner is that I don't think he gets talked about enough. I really don't in, in national media. He mm -hmm. is a great defensive player, but nobody talks about him. They always well, they, talk about, I mean, both, every time they first talk team all pro, right. Didn't he? Well, they, the they talk about him. Like I, I've, I've, I've seen like ESPN, like anytime they start talking 49ers defense, they'll talk about Bosa, but then they're also talking about Hufanga and they're talking about Fred Warner as well. So I don't, I don't necessarily know, about know national scale. They definitely, I mean, obviously we, we talk about him more over here, but I yeah. don't, I don't think as much like no, Bosa no, is, the, is the focal point. Well, he's the focal point because he has the 18 and a half sacks. That's what it really comes down to. And that's this year. But um, I, 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 anytime I've heard national people talking, Fred Warner does get brought up enough, uh, like, like a bunch. He probably should be brought up more, but that's only because he's, you know, an all pro level linebacker and he's being brought up at the level of a pro of a regular boring pro bowl linebacker. So I, I just, I just think he's not I, being yeah. mentioned as a defensive player of the year right yeah, and, like that's kind he, of like a yeah kind of a little bit of a separation where he's is he a deep part, defensive player of the year part, type of player I, I don't know that he will he'll ever be because a lot of the times those dpoy guys um there there's one particular thing that really puts them over the top like with nick bosa it's the sacks 
or yeah. Sauce Gardner in New York, the Jets, who's going to win the defensive player rookie of the year. Obviously, it's the interceptions. Um, Fred Warner does a little bit of everything, you know. So, um, so the the numbers itself that you know he's got like you know a, a triple double basically. He's get, he hits all the categories a bit, but he doesn't like excel. It's not like a fifty point triple double. Like it's all like it's a Draymond triple double. I guess is what I'm getting at. It's a little bit everywhere, all over the place. But yeah. All right. Any final comments about this game? I know we're going to be talking probably a little bit more about 49ers and Eagles a little bit later. I think, I think we should just uh, dive into the Brock Purdy injury update right now. And the latest that we've heard is that it's a UCL. Mm -hmm. uh, It's a ligament in the elbow injury. Um, It's uh, it's ruptured. I believe they said, and they're hoping to be able to repair it. And it's a six month turnaround. If they have to replace it, that's Tommy John surgery. And that, is like a 14 month turnaround. So well, it's torn. It, so I think yeah, it's it's to. torn. It's torn. So it, they're hoping well, to repair I, it. I did. It, I did they have hear to go a, in and look. I did hear a doctor. They brought some doctor on onto a uh, a podcast that I was listening to, and they're saying that the the surgery that he, Brock Purdy would get would probably put him like six to eight months mm-hmm. to recover. Uh, because it is a little bit different than a pitcher recovering. Yeah. And it's because when a pitcher is throwing, there's like these mechanics of how you're twisting your arm and, yeah. you know, where yeah. throwing a football and a baseball is, is different um, oh, yeah. on what you're yeah. trying to do and how much torque um, that you're putting on the elbow where throwing a football, you know, any throwing is an unnatural motion for the human body. Like our body is actually not designed for it but the, the torque from throwing a baseball and the torque of throwing a football is vastly different. Yeah. The stress um, point is, is it's way it's different. The, it's, it's the way same different. surgery and recovery that I think Josh Allen went through or maybe the, the injury that Brock Purdy has is, is uh you know, it was due to the hit and his arm trying to go forward and being pulled backward. So it's um, a little bit different than what a, what a pitcher would go through, but, from what I heard, it was six to eight months of, uh, so he should be ready to go in six to eight months. Yeah. Well, I mean, six know. months, six months from now, let's, uh, so let's just count. It's the end of January right now. So end of February, March, April, May, June, July. So you're talking the, uh, he might be best case scenario ready to go when the, uh, preseason games start. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. obviously they're going to want to get him into some of those and probably play a little bit longer than you'd hope. And if that's, that's all assuming he's on a good timeline, a six month timeline, anything longer than that, you're being pushed into the regular season. There goes that, uh, Trey Lance trade, uh, talks that we had, you know, toyed around with beforehand. I, um, the only way Trey Lance gets traded now is if you bring in somebody like Tom Brady. You know, like I, I don't Sam had joked about. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think they trade. I don't think so either. Do. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't see because you got to look at whatever veteran quarterback you bring. Let's say it is Tom Brady. You got to look at it as a one year, as a one year deal, right? Like even if you sign him to a, a two year deal with uh, maybe that's an option. As a franchise, you're probably looking at it as a one year deal because you're hoping that Brock Purdy comes back. You're hoping Trey Lance comes back. And one of these young quarterbacks can, can, you know, keep the job and hopefully stay health healthy. 
Yeah, so essentially a band-aid until yeah. everything heals in terms of like having more quarterbacks who can do the job. A lot of people think that the 49ers window is about two years, give or take, you know, because of how Kittle is, is always prone to, to be susceptible to an injury. You know, um, we don't, how much more longer do you have on the wheels with, with Christian McCaffrey, you know, as a running back? So a lot of people think that window is about Debo two, as well. Years. I mean, you know, yeah. how, how Debo plays the game and even uh, Brandon Ayuk to a certain degree, like how much uh, abuse they, how physical they are. Um, and then salary cap, you know, like, you know, the, the NFL is a salary cap league, as we all know. Um, how are they going to keep this entire team together where, you know, you're going to have young guys up for contract like, uh, you know, we we talked about the linebacker position, you know, Fred Warner, he's going to be up for a big deal. Um, so how do you keep all of these pieces and retain talent that's still young and healthy and keep it all intact? So they're going to be up against it in the next few years. And the good thing is, is, um, you know, Shanahan has shown and so has John Lentz has shown that they're they're able to kind of pivot on the fly and recognize, uh, identify guys that fit into their system. So that's, you know, hopefully they can do that again. And one last note for me on this one is that I've been noticing that Brock Purdy until the announcement was about uh, today about his elbow. Um, he was getting a lot of flack of, you know, could he have played that game? Did he, you know, not man up and do it? And I, I think that really bothers me. Um, you know, the same people who are saying this, the same people who, you know, call out sick when their their nose itches funny right so to call on another man's toughness i think is, is the most ridiculous thing in the world um so if you can't play you can't play you know he and, was and I, he was physically incapable of throwing a ball further than exactly. five yards you exactly. know uh, he he told him that i mean he was trying to warm up like how many times did we see on like a, a Twitter timeline or they talked about it like during commercial breaks, uh, Brock Purdy was trying to throw, trying to do it and he just couldn't do it. It wasn't there. And that's because the UCL was gone, you know? Yeah, so exactly. uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it's ridiculous to try to say that he couldn't. And he did go back in there. He did throw another, mm -hmm. a, a four year, a four yard pass to Christian McCaffrey. And that probably hurt like hell, you know? Oh, so, I'm sure. So I, um, anybody criticizing Brock's toughness can go take a long walk off a short pier. I'm done, you know? With that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, Kansas city chiefs and Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that Ooh. game, man, that game was like, I know, uh, what's an, a, a Samway or whatever his name is that had the rough in the passer in Mahomes, And then that kind of was the, the, the penalty that sealed the deal for, for the chiefs to go on and win, but man, that felt so pro chiefs, those referees, everything about it. I mean, they had a third down play where apparently they couldn't hear the whistle. The referee ran five yards out into the field. It was like, yeah, whatever. I give up. And then they gave them another free play. Like that, if that, that game, the NFL wanted the chiefs and they got the chiefs to the Super Bowl. That's what it felt like to me. I don't think the Chiefs earned that win. I think um, the refs helped them get that win. Yeah, they were gifted for sure. Um, every major break went Kansas City's way, especially in the second half. Um, and, I mean, the, the, the other part of it, though, is the Bengals had opportunities to win that game outright, you know, and, and they ended up not being able to get the job done uh, 
through through some of their own misplays, but also, you know, like the, these bad calls going against you. And the more it starts to snowball, it starts to feel like quicksand maybe. And you're just like, it, it, it just gets tougher and tougher. And I don't I, know, I, man, I, I, I feel bad. Guys. I agree with you guys. We, we watched the games together and uh, I agree with you with the referees, especially the KC and Cincinnati game. It just seemed to be so heavily favored towards Kansas city but just to play devil's advocate, what do you do? How do you fix it? Because the answer is not more refs. The answer isn't more replay uh, because we, we see that replay doesn't get it right. You know, they can't get the right footage no, or the, the right angle. I, I know. I, or, I actually, like, I, I, what do I we do? do? Have a, I, I have a thought. Okay. These are still part-time refs. They're still oh, part-time. Full-time. Uh, Make them full-time. Make them like you can the NFL can afford to pay each referee like a real salary. Like, I don't know what right. they're getting right now. 40 K 50 K they can pay them up. They can pay, they can double their salary and make them actually full-time referees who can uh, really dedicate themselves to be better. And also you can, by making them full-time, you can get better people, people more interested in becoming referees, people that'll be focused on that kind of stuff instead of guys that are, I don't know. Uh, they're probably gambling on shit like on the side, but you know, they're part time. You know what? The they're not gonna spend the money to try to investigate. So, so unless two things on that. The deck. Two things on that. I think you should host your own title game because apparently the referees are gonna be in favor of you if you host your own title game. Uh, secondly, um, my concern with getting full time refs, as I think it's great, is the Angel Hernandez. Will you get an NFL version of the Angel Hernandez if you have a full time referee? who's just constantly I, doing bad calls, but there's nothing you can do because he's, you know. Well, he's like 10 years. I, 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 I get that. And I think that if you're going to make him full-time and there is a way to tenure somebody, I think you make it, I don't know, five years or something like that before they get tenure. Or I, I don't know what, what, what you do, but like give them like, you don't want a 90-day probationary period before you give somebody uh, the keys to the fucking game or whatever you know you just you want to make sure that they're fully trained and they're fully up to the task and that they're willing to keep doing it for several years and i think that's where if you say like maybe you're full-time you get the pay and benefits of full-time right from the start but you don't uh, you know you uh, at the end of every year we review and if you're not up to the standard that we like we can get rid of you at least for the first five years or something like that. And then maybe the referees have a union. Uh, I think they, they should incentivize them. You know, you, you do good as a referee, you get to do the big games and you get a little bit of extra money by doing well, those big games. Well, and they you, do kind of do that right now. And that's, that's part of the problem is even the good referees still make dog shit calls, you know? So, um, so I, I think just better training and, these guys can't can't afford to keep training all the time on what to look for and anything because they're part time. They have to have other jobs in the off season. That's fair. The other thing too is, uh, what do you? How do you guys feel about replay or getting rid of replay? I think we all kind of remember the NFL pre and post uh, replay. Uh, we were all really young before uh, pre. Uh, this modern era of football with, with, with replay and challenges and this and that. Um, I'm actually not a fan of replay and challenges um, because I mean, it's, it's a crapshoot. Like 
sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they get it wrong. Like a lot of times I don't even get the call right, even on its replay. And then I talk to people, you know, outside in the, in the everyday world. And we get used to this super duper slow motion, Michael Bay, where, you know, it's not in real time. It's not in real time. Um, you know, so I, I'm just not a really a, a big fan of replay. I think it stops the game. It delays the game. I get why the NFL wants it because it adds to the drama. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of it. What do, well, what do you guys I think, just think of, that uh, replay? If you got 15 cameras and you're going to be able to have a challenge, you should be able to have access to 15 cameras. This nonsense of, of, they didn't have Fox had the only camera that could see uh, Smith's catch. I think that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, I don't understand the camera placement where how come like in the regular seasons, like in the regular season, they show. And why is the angle never on like dead on with the goal line? It's always kind of like off a little offset. Yeah. Like, so it's like, why is there a camera like looking from both sides of the, of the goal line? or whatever, um, you know, on, on the visitor side and the home side looking, you got this, uh, fly cam you have, you know, you, you can look straight down on it. Um, I just don't understand sometimes the camera placement of certain situations, especially on like goal line, uh, situations. I don't understand. I mean, and even like first down markers, um, you know, I see the cameras on a big ass. Uh, it's like a like a cart. You know? It's mm-hmm. like on this uh, this ladder. How it's come a they scissor don't lift. Put, yeah, yeah, it's on a <laughs> lift. How come they don't have that like on the line where where it's at? So I I don't know. Well, Sometimes they have pylon cameras, but they only see so far. They don't see all the way across, right? Yeah. Um, but the other thing too is, uh, why are we still using a metal chain for our ten yard thing? The chain oh, yes. here in the <laughs> Why can't we just do a laser <laughs> light? Like, not, like, why is there a metal chain on the field where like a multi million dollar athlete could like? I don't know if it's ever happened, but I would be the guy that's like, guys, we got to do some risk management of having a freaking metal chain that could break on the field next to my $30 million a year quarterback or something. <laughs> like, why is it just like a soft rope? Like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know, man. Like there are some things that, um, I don't think going to a rope or some other product is going to affect the bottom line of the NFL. Uh, I actually do. I I do know why that they're still using the chain as it is right now. And it's because when they go out to, to, to do the measurements, um, what they, there's actually one thing that you don't ever see is there's like a little tag. Okay. And it has like a little clip on it and wherever the big like solid line is on the five or the 10 or the 15, 20, whatever they put that marker, like they, they put that little tag right on that line and they don't hold it from stick to stick. They hold it from that tag on the line to the stick. And that's how they measure whether they got the first you're, down. You're or talking not. about the orange arrow that sits on the, on the out of bounds grass. No, 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 no. Cause that's the, like at the first, that's, that's at the first down line. There's like a little tiny, like, like cloth, like um, strap basically with a little uh, uh, hook on it that they like, but that's how they, they hold it. And that's how they measure it. And that, and that's where they go from. 
So that way, um, because if it's like on the 37 and a half, and then you got to get to the 47 and a half or whatever, um, it's tough to like make that completely accurate, like from where the first, the, the from the first down line was to where you're trying to, where you started the drive or whatever. Let, let me tell so, you how I measure the, it's the bad. Let me, let me show you how I measure the first down. Uh-huh. I take oh, my yeah. piece of paper, <laughs> I slide it in between, and then that tells me if it's a first down or not. I can't believe that was that. also some bullshit that went against <laughs> the Raiders. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, it's um like there is a reason why they're still using a chain. It's a stupid ass reason, but uh <laughs> because we have technology now, I have to believe that we could figure this stuff out without having, you know, like you said, putting multi-million dollar players at risk uh because of a, a hunk of metal on the field we I mean, still have even, we still have even Fox. The football can't you put like a a sensor a chip like a, yeah like yeah in the, i mean and look at all the data it would give you the velocity of the football the spin rate of the football how hard it was kicked you know what i mean you could you well, could do we, all these things and it, it could tell you the gps location if it crossed this line or that I don't know, man. It just seems like it. we're capable of doing it with pencil and paper. But guess what, guys? We got a fucking calculator. <laughs> we, can, <laughs> we can do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're still we're still kicking into the wires of uh, of sky cams. Like we can't even get that shit right. I mean, who puts I, the I just wire like, that you know, low? we either embrace technology to get it right, or if if we're not going to embrace it and get it right, just fuck it, get rid of it. Don't let don't let any technology in. Yeah. And it, you know, it is kind of half-assed at this point right, right now. It, yeah. It's, you know, they talk about this command center and hot camera and all this crazy mumbo jumbo that the NFL has. And then they say they didn't get the angle or they didn't get it fast enough or, you know, uh, the internet went down in New York. I don't know, but it, it just always, <laughs> you make billions of dollars. We don't want to hear the excuses. <laughs> yeah. It just seems like it just seems like there's always a something at, at the most pivotal time, at the most critical moment in the playoffs. Um, you know, it just seems like always something is going on. Um so uh the Bengals lose to the Chiefs. Uh who you got now? Uh next next round is uh uh, Chiefs, and Eagles. Yeah, Chiefs and Eagles in the Super Bowl playing on February 12th, I believe. Uh, and kickoff for that will be 3.30 p.m. Pacific time. So I think we're going to hold out on our picks till next week just so we can get oh, the right. reports and get, you know, the full detail, the full scope of things. And then, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously no reason... we know what I'm going to pick, but, yeah. you know, between you guys. There's no reason to. The yeah, yes, there's, there's, there's no reason to, like, make a prediction right now. You know, if we don't have to, we want to make sure we get as much information as possible. Yeah. And I, I also think Jalen is playing hurt. I didn't think he was hurt. He's definitely playing hurt. That, that oh, shoulder yeah. looks, I mean, he's overthrown the ball like crazy. So uh, I'll take another two weeks and, you know, then I'll make my, my full solid prediction with uh, hot takes with it. Cool. Hey, Vince, did you want to go over the spreadsheet right now on uh, um, pick them? Uh, no, I mean, basically, where the, uh, after this weekend, uh, both Sam and Tyler got one of the two games right. I got none of them right. So our standings are 
Uh, Sam is in first place with 14 points. Tyler is in second place with 13 points. I'm in last with nine points, but the Super Bowl is worth eight points each. So nobody's out of it just yet. Um, uh, and, and there's not going to be any bonus points be, uh, because nobody has either of their preseason predictions uh, in the in the Super Bowl. So no bonus close. points. It is just, yeah, we, we, we all came real close with one of our uh, two picks uh, in the preseason, but it was just not meant to be this year. So nope. here we are. All right, guys, you got any final comments about the this past weekend? No, cool. I think I'll, we've uh, uh, tried that one out. I'll uh, I'll save my comments about other NFL news for next week since uh, we don't have football games. Uh, so there's a lot already going on in the hot stove, uh, but we'll get to that next week. Uh, jumping over to NBA news, uh, Tyler, are the yeah. Grizzlies padding stats? Question. Oh, the drama. Yeah. <laughs> Lay it out. <clears throat> oh, if you're listening on YouTube, I've I've already asked uh, our fellow ones and two and Tim to uh, go ahead and put the link of this post into our comment. I mean, to our um, section on, on, on YouTube there, uh, there was a post on Saturday morning and I'm going to give credit where credit's due. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name, his, his uh, username correctly, but I'm going to go with what I think it is. So it's AD massive six, 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 six. He posted a thing about the Memphis Grizzly scorekeeper posting fraudulent numbers. I woke up on Saturday morning at like 6, 7 a.m. And it, this thing already had like 30,000 likes on it. I was like, wow, this, something's going off. It's a very long-winded uh, piece that you, you can read on your own time. I'll give you one excerpt from it. Um, he was noticing that Jaron Jackson, uh, the player in question for the Memphis Grizzlies, he is leading, well, was leading uh, the defensive player of the year stats. And when looking at the stats of his road game versus his home game, there was something off about it. His home stats seem to be a lot better percentage-wise than his road game stats. So reading from the excerpt, it says, I decided to take a closer look at his games, and immediately one thing became crystal clear. At home, in Memphis, he has 66 blocks in 16 home games, averaging over just a little bit over four blocks per game, versus 35 in 16 road games, averaging just a little over two blocks in nearly identical minutes. It was an 89% increase in Memphis. In home games, he was credited with 22 steals in 16 home games uh, versus only 10 steals in road games, 16 road games. This means he's averaging nearly 1.4 steals per game at home, but just 0.0, I'm sorry, 0.63 steals on the road per game. That's an astounding 120% increase in Memphis. In home games, he has been credited with 88 blocks plus steals versus 45 on the road. This equates to an average of an outlandish five and a half blocks and steals at home in limited minutes versus a reasonable, realistic, and still outstanding 2.81 steal blocks per game on the road. So basically what's happening is, is do home statisticians pad their player stats? Yeah, they kind of do. The NBA knows that. They, they've made that aware. But nothing to a level where you get an increase of 120%. So two things are happening here. Either Jaron Jackson is playing out of his mind when he comes home. And then when he's on the road, he's, you know, just not the same guy or sedition is, is padding all of his stats. So I like to think maybe a little bit of the latter, uh, the NBA has come out and they made their own comments on the situation uh, saying that statisticians that are hired 
uh, for the NBA are not hired by the NBA more or less they are hired by the team as a third party company, right? So why is this a big deal? Um, it wouldn't be a big deal because we don't, I mean, steals don't really determine a game. Blocks don't really always determine a game, right? It's, it's always who can score more points. The problem is that if you're a betting person and you're betting on Jaron Jackson to do, you know, over or under on, on blocks per game, and then the stats are getting padded and inflated and you're losing out on money, you're going to feel like you're cheated. If you're betting on the defensive player of the year and Jaron Jackson is leading in all categories and then you find out his stats are padded, you're going to feel cheated. And it's gotten to the point where now he is removed off of Caesar's uh, betting odds as a defensive player of the year. There's not even a stat for, I mean, there's not even a, um, a player betting listed. Line. Yep. It's gone. So NBA says there's smoke. Reddit people say that's fire. But what I think is interesting is that it was posted on Reddit and it went viral to the point of Caesar's palace had to remove things off the betting line. So, well, I guess to, my question to add to, you to guys, it, Tyler, I'm looking at the article, which is from uh, CBS sports mm -hmm. and there's a video example. And um, it says, uh, it says here that uh, Zion William Zion Williamson went up for a, a layup, a layup loses control of the ball, but Jaron Jackson's, uh, credited with a block so video people these internet sleuths are going to go back every single game mm -hmm. and they're, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna post videos so there's already video evidence that um this has happened once you know yeah if you go to the Reddit thing, um, there's actually like five or six. I, I think there were seven today. examples uh, yeah. called out on that Reddit uh, post. Yeah. So, so, well, quick question: Why this one player? Like, why, uh, why him? It's a good question. Um, I, I don't think year... it's necessarily the player. I think somebody is, you know, this this stats person is probably taking it into their own hands and uh, some favoritism, some homerism. Um, I don't think the player himself is, uh, you know, hey, bro, <laughs> back my stats, you know. <laughs> Do me it, a favor, it, it's man. It's seeing an opportunity because he is a pretty good defensive player. Yeah. So it's seizing on an opportunity to pad the stats of a guy who's good and make him look really great, I think, is is the hope. And to try to get him, uh, you know, get him some postseason honors, you know, of, of some kind. And the NBA, player of the year, you know, they, don't team first too, um, they don't take to cheating very kindly with the whole Tim Donahue situation here, too. Donaghy. So, Donaghy, sorry. Yeah. So he was the, just to let you know, Tim, he was the referee uh, for the playoff game between the uh, Lakers and the Kings, but he was betting back on, in 2002. Yeah. So he was betting on the games and calling fouls when they weren't fouls. So that way the Lakers would end up winning that. that the series. Kings were going to win that game. Oh yeah, the Kings 100%. are gonna win that game, and then out of nowhere, the Lakers, <laughs> the Lakers win the game. Just and everybody was like, "What?" And it oh, wasn't I just mean, I mean, it wasn't just any game. It was a game seven. Yeah, it was oh, it was the Western Conference Finals, dude. Yeah. Wow. It was it oh. was a massive game, and um, no, clearly that game was altered because of the referee. Um, I think what what Tyler's uh, getting to is uh. Out of all the major leagues, the NBA has had this problem of gambling issues, change, changing the outcomes of games. Um, this has happened before. 
um, with the, with the NBA and, and recent history, you know, it's not, not 30 years ago, you know? So, I mean, MLB has their own, they have their own toxicity with, with cheating the system. You know, you got your Astros, you got your P roses, but um, yeah, I, I just, I guess my question to this is if it's a third party company that's doing your, your stats, does the NBA really have to look at that as a, is under the microscope and be like, that's so weird. I I would think that the NBA would have had their own, like you would be an NBA employee, not even a Memphis Grizzly or golden state warrior employee. You would be an NBA employee. I would think the crazy part about that too is that it's not like, like the NBA team calls one agency and it's like, Hey, we're going to need a statistician for this team. It, it says here that each team provides their own scorekeepers at their home arena. So it could, they could be a statistician for any company. It does. It's not the same across the board. I think that's, that's to me, I think that's pretty telling because again, if you are betting and you're losing out when maybe you probably should have won, that would piss me off. And it's not just betting either. It's also fantasy sports. A, a lot of people play yeah. are playing fantasy basketball now and, those defensive stats can be make the difference between you winning a week and losing a week. And, you know, it, it might be something you might want to take to your uh, league commissioner and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. You yeah. know, I, I don't know, man. I, I, they got to resolve this. And they got to resolve it quickly because there's a lot of things on the line. It's not, it, it, it's the gambling, it's the fantasy sports, it's the um, end of the year awards and stuff like that. They, we need to make sure that, it's the right stats. It's the right uh, given to the right players for the right reasons and all of that. And so it's, it is important to get this right and to get it right quickly. It's and interesting say, that it say... happened with the Grizzlies because they have been this, uh, this franchise over the past, what, three years that thinks they have arrived. Yeah. One jack shit. Well, the other thing too, is that you get bonuses for, for winning awards like this. And what if mm-hmm. you were a player that was, you know, if the stats were true, you were actually the better one and not Jaron Jackson. You know what I mean? So there's implications across the board. Um, even the NBA has their own problems to deal with now. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think it's interesting that, that it was a post on Reddit on Saturday morning and it blew up on Sunday and you know, here's a consequence. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to, to follow it up, uh, you know, to keep track on this, uh, on this topic. So um let's move on to our beloved warriors uh let's look at some of the past few games they've been in uh vince you want to you want to keep going with the score sure speaking of memphis grizzlies the warriors beat memphis 122 to 120 and they also beat toronto 129 to 117 both of those games were at home at chase center and the warriors are currently 25 wins 24 losses ninth in the west they are playing right now so there will be another game in the like like that happened for, between now and the time we released this episode but yeah so the warriors are you know hanging around right around the uh, playing game and obviously we want them to be better than that we want them to be in the top six so they don't have to mess around with the playoff game uh and if they can even find their way into the top four maybe be the home home team advantage in the first round uh just so you guys know halftime for the warriors uh playing against the thunder Warriors are up 63 to 48 at halftime. But I like to hear that. Any, anything could change. I've yeah, seen 20, Warriors blow worse. <laughs> 25 point lead at half. That's, you know, promising. And they better hold on. 
You, know? <laughs> you must be behind because my screen shows that we're in the third quarter and it's 71-54. Okay, so half well, time just then. ended. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, like I said, ninth in the West. Let's pick it up, boys. <laughs> uh, do you want to p- pull this Band-Aid off real quick? I just added a note to it. I don't, I don't know if you have anything else for basketball, but. I, no, I have nothing. Uh, so baseball. Um Pitchers and catchers report, February 15th. Chad Pender will not be on there. Chad Pender just signed with the Reds. Breaking uh, news. Play that little funny little guitar riff or something. <laughs> I don't know. I think the A's just traded. Uh, I can't remember the pitcher's name. They traded him last week. So I don't know oh, who's going to show up. Cole yeah. Irvin got traded. So, I mean, uh, we've to been Baltimore. expecting this. Yeah. So I don't know who's going to show up on, on February 15th. Maybe maybe us us four will show up. We'll just bring our own glove and bat and say we're ready. Hey, I'm down with that. Let's do it. <laughs> I can do like five jumping jacks. Yeah, let's go. I'm ready, guys. Put me in, coach. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, I I I think it's definitely going to be a 90 loss year, probably close to 100 again. Um, but <laughs> 90. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I think at this point, you know, I'll show up with just a, a you know, one of those uh, race pens on the on the board and be like, I could put people's names on here. It'll be fun because there'll be a new name every single day. <laughs> I, I ran this by see uh, more butts. I ran this field. by Julia and um, she said I was crazy and that uh, no one would get it. No one would get the um, the sarcasm uh, if I showed up with my jersey. Uh, that said, you know, John Fisher's number one fan. She said no one would get it. They, she, she, she thinks that I would, I would come across truly as the number one fan. Um, I just, it's just really sad that this dude just doesn't. He, he doesn't even try. You know, um, you don't even need to be number one in payroll. Like you could be fifteen. And it would just be a drop in the bucket, and you can be competitive. And if they all were the twenty, bitching, if they were twentieth, dude, it's. So I don't. Funny. I'm not. I'm not asking for much. I'm just asking you to be the twentieth out of thirty teams. If you can get to that point in terms of spending on payroll, the kind of team you could put together. I mean, I, 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 I don't know, man. It's. Fucking oh! So so I guess I have a question though, because obviously he runs the bottom of the payroll because he'll he'll get that the bonus money that comes with being you know one of the worst teams and the lowest payroll, right? I guess my question is, he does the same thing with the San Jose Earthquakes. Yes, he does. Does does he get a payout bonus from having the lowest? Uh, revenue and and, and well i don't know about how i don't know how mls has their revenue sharing set up but mlb had revenue sharing and then they got rid of revenue sharing and then on this last collective bargaining agreement they brought it back um but they will not release the terms um the last time revenue sharing was published there's an there's an article that you can find pretty easily online um but in, in the old days of the first iteration of, of revenue sharing, the A's were said to be getting somewhere around $30 million a season. And that ran for about five or six seasons. Um, so that's why there's there's been a lot of A's fans, a lot of 
you know, articles about where did all this money go? Uh, because it, there's no stadium, there's no free agent signings. You haven't, you clearly haven't invested that money in the minor leagues. You haven't improved your minor leagues. Um, your international work hasn't improved. Um, so where is all this money going? Um, and to me, the, the answer is clear is they line their own pockets. Uh, I'm oh, sure yeah. some money is in a bank account for the stadium or whatever. Um, but you're telling me that the, the brokest or not even the brokest, the cheapest franchise in MLB, the general manager and president has enough capital to start shopping, to buy a soccer club to, you know, Billy Bean is now part of a group leading to go try to buy other sports the, the, franchises. The How the fuck group. does he have money to do this as a president? It's because he, he was cut in on the profits. His last contract before he left the A's, he was actually cut in. He was given a percentage of the ownership group. And that's why since that contract, I always said, then Billy Bean's part of the problem because if he's part of the ownership, you can't have it both ways. You know, you're not just an employee anymore. You're also the employer and you're choosing, you're choosing to, to be cheap. You're choosing to get rid of players and not, not award them a, a contract. So I have, um, when I was a kid, man, I was a big, big time supporter of uh, Billy Bean um, because I saw that I saw that they were winning with the budget and, I, I bought into the the Moneyball stuff. I read the book, and um, by the time the movie came out, I was already kind of questioning Moneyball. I was questioning this whole philosophy of, of what was going on with Moneyball. And then by the time the movie came out, um, it, what a terrible movie! Um, not not the acting. You know, I don't have any criticism against the actors. Um, it's a Hollywood movie. But that movie is extremely inaccurate, um, and, and they glorify what Billy Bean is doing when it should be vilified. At this point, it should be vilified. Um, he's part of the problem. He's not part of the solution. And um, I, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. It's garbage. The there are so I, I made this comment yesterday to to a friend of ours who who was here watching the football game with us, who's also a really big A's fan. We went on trips together to other cities and, and watch the A's play the Yankees, the Red Sox, um, the Cubs, um, you know, and every time we went to a city, we, we met all these fans of the other teams and we talk our smack, they talk their smack, but pretty much everywhere I've got to go when I'm wearing my, my A's Jersey, people are always like, are, hey, are you, you guys from Oakland or yeah, we're from the Bay area. We live in Oakland right now. You know, that's where we're, where, where we're at. And they're always like, we love, you know, if I wasn't a Yankee fan or a Red Sox fan or whatever fan, I actually like the A's. I really like the players they have. I like their color scheme. I just, I like the whole, his, the history of them. They, you know, they won three in a row. Um, you know, the Bash brothers, like, you know, the Oakland A's have a great history and it's just really sad that this ownership group does nothing to honor the legacy of this historic franchise and does nothing to build on its future. Um, we've talked about this numerous times, the, the St. Louis Cardinals, it, St. Louis is not a bigger media market than 
California than the Bay area. And you know, it, it's because the ownership group is committed to winning. They're all in all the time. Uh, if, if the A's ownership was that it would be a completely different franchise. We talked about Joe Lacob has the standing offer for the A's. If Joe Lacob bought this team, you know, middle of the season, that's that stadium will be sold out forever. That stadium would be sold out for the rest of the season. I agree. Because, I also think because the, the the energy that the fan base would have. But also too, so that's not still off the table per se. The Angels are not selling anymore. So Joe Lacob's still trying to buy an MLB team. So I guess what we're hoping for is three things. Either, you know, Fisher wakes up and it's like, you know what? I think it's time to sell the team. Everyone hates me. I should just sell the team, right? Or we're waiting for him to kick the bucket. And lastly, we're waiting for some controversy to happen that makes them have to sell the team. That's the three ways that we're going to get him to get rid of the team. And I don't think any of them are going to happen except maybe he kicks the bucket, but we're all going to be in our 50s by that time. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I just, I think the only way he's going to sell is the roadmap for Oakland, uh, how our terminal shuts down, that that's truly not an option. And Las Vegas is not an option. Um, I think that's the only way he's going to sell is if uh, both cities are not an option or I think Oakland will always be an option. It just depends on how much money in this uh, redistricting of, of an area of Oakland. Um, so the A's are also wanting to rezone an area where, a, a, a specific area would be, you know, Howard Terminal, where they get part of the tax revenue paid back for the loans that the that the A's take out, uh, because essentially the A's can get the money, can get the loans for infrastructure and certain things that the the city can't pay for. They don't, they can't get the money. Um, so, I, I think if it, that's the only way he's going to sell the team is if is if the the deal is not going to work out to his favor and he's too tired. He's too burnt out on pursuing this. So. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's the way that I, I think that's probably the most likely way that he does sell before getting a stadium belt is if it's just, is if Vegas basically says, no, it's not going to happen. And then this Howard terminal thing drags on another year and it's still where it is right now, which is, you know, kind of stuck in the mud a little bit uh, waiting on, approvals and all can that you imagine stuff. though joe laka bought this team day one most loved baseball owner oh one. yeah day yeah one. i mean the line to said... polish his ball sack will be around <laughs> the stadium five times man. we already said that the 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 level or the amount this team would be worth would double would double triple, maybe yeah triple. i mean and the thing is the thing is i think like let's say he bought them tomorrow we would i think as fans we would say it's going to take three to four years to get the farm system to, you know, to get it going. But I think like we would be thinking within the next five to seven years, we should be contenders. I think we would give all of the leeway in the sense of it, it's going to take them some time to find the general manager, the president, the coaching, the, the, the uh, minor leagues, the philosophy change, get out of this money ball, probably a stadium resolution. Um, but I think he would have all of that equity built up that fans would would still come out to the games 
and you would see progress in, in increments, you might see, you know, certain players, maybe they're probably not going to be able to get uh, a big time free agent until they're like in contention. But I think you would see players, uh, homegrown talent stay with the team. So for example, Luriano, if he comes up for contract and he's having a good year, you would see a player like that be retained. You wouldn't see these trades where you have players that are still really good, like Sean Murphy. You wouldn't see him get sent out of town. Um, you would probably see contract extensions. Uh, I mean, what was it? Joe Lacob approved the um, the David Lee deal as he was buying the team. He he, you know, that was all happening at one time, and he went ahead and approved the David Lee deal uh, trade and the contract extension. Um, so. You know, he he's a smart guy, so I, I, I think he would be a perfect owner, and I think he would already have the equity built up with the with the fan base. I, I do. I hate jumping back and forth here on, on different sports here, but you, you we're talking about the man, and it makes me think about it. Um, Bob Myers still hasn't signed a contract to be the general manager for the Warriors uh, going into the foreseeable future. I know that we had brought it up when we were talking about how, you know, Maybe he doesn't want to be it. Maybe the contract isn't right for him. He's come out and said that he wants to explore other things. And he looks at himself in the mirror and wonders if this is what he wants to do going forward. So um, I'll save that for next week. But I did. I just wanted to point that out that Bob Myers has not signed that contract with the Warriors. So, yeah, for sure. Um, Vince, we're going to be doing some. Uh, let's jump over to the NHL San Jose Sharks. All right. So we are heading into All-Star Weekend. And uh, Eric Carlson will be representing San Jose and they are playing in Florida uh, down uh, at uh, Sun Sunrise. I think the name is the name of the city. It's where the Florida uh, fucking, what are they? What, Florida Panthers. God, I blinked on them. I kept wanting Florida to fucking. Florida fucking Panthers. That's, that's their home is uh, about 40 minutes outside of Miami. So uh, Carlson is going to go represent team Teal and put on a show and hopefully he keeps staying healthy and keeps playing well. Uh, that being said, the sharks last week, uh, it was a little bit rough. It could have been a lot worse. They end up losing at Detroit three to two in overtime. Then they go to Carolina, visit our old friend, Brent Burns. They lose five, four in overtime. Then they go to Pittsburgh and they win against Sidney Crosby and the boys six, four. They're currently 15 wins, 25 losses, 11 overtime losses. That is good for seventh in the Pacific. They are four points clear of the Anaheim ducks. Bang, bang, quack, quack, motherfuckers. Yes. <laughs> Love it. So when do we see the young guys? Has there been any talk about um, these, oh, so these top the sharks, picks and stuff? The Sharks actually did make a trade with Colorado. So they sent a couple of guys over. Uh, Ryan Merkley is one of them. I I I, I forgot to look up uh, that deal. But uh, they, uh, they're starting to send, send away some of the talent. So I think uh, I, I, they're starting to blow it up. Timo Meyer is the big name that's hanging out there right now. And a lot of teams are asking about him and we'll see what happens that where he ends up going, what kind of deal, what kind of package they get back in return. But it's uh, it, the process of blowing it up has begun. So uh, we're, we're in for a little bit of a long haul. And frankly, we, we talk about, we, we talked about how uh, Joe Lacob has built up equity. I think the sharks like, you know, for being basically in it for 20 years, they built up at least a little bit of equity. The team has never had a a full rebuild before. 
really. So this is the first time this is happening. And I think the fa- as a fan, I get that and I'm willing to, you know, hang around and play ball and see how it goes. Uh, I'm still go like I, I, I only really go to a couple games a year. Like I can't really afford to go to a lot because Sharks games are expensive. You know, uh, you know, what isn't expensive is Barracudas. We got to yeah, go Barracuda. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to a Barracuda game for sure. But it's, uh, you know, uh, so I still go to a couple games a year. I find some of the more important games like uh, Patrick Marlowe's Jersey retirement. I'm going to that one. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Just looking for all the fun, fun stuff to do while watching a team rebuild, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, well, it's going to be really exciting once those, uh, you know, these top players come up. I think uh, that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Tyler, you got a Wrexham update? Oh, yeah. So that Eagles 49ers game may not have been fun to watch, but this Wrexham match, holy cow, that was so much fun. So Wrexham played Sheffield United in the fourth round of the FA Cup. As we've stated last week, uh, Sheffield United is tops in the championship league. The next round is, or the next league would be the premiership or the premier league where all the big dogs play that you see like the Manchester cities, Manchester United, things of that nature. So Sheffield United is currently in second in uh, the championship league. They will, you know, barring a catastrophic failure, move on to the next uh, level there. So Wrexham being in the fifth league, we're playing against a really top dog. Um, and obviously they were supposed to be written out. Um, not only did they not get written out, they tied the game and it was so great and defeating at the same time. Uh, Paul Mullen punches one in, they go up three, two against Sheffield in like the 80th, 89th minute or 80th minute or some of that nature. It was like 85th. I think. Yeah. It was yeah. pretty late. It was pretty late. And then like two minutes later, Egan for Sheffield punches it in and ties the game. Uh, so now they go into uh, basically a, they, they're going to replay the match again. So, but the fact that they were able to almost win this game, but let alone tie the game and move on to be able to play them again, which they'll be playing in Wrexham. Shout out to them. And if you want an underdog team to root for, this is what you should root for. I mean, this is, this is something that you don't see on an everyday basis. You never it's see real a life Ted Lasso. Game. It really is. Right. Yeah. It really is. Um, no, it was a really fun match. It was highs and lows, ended on a low, unfortunately, but they get a second chance. They get a second crack at it. And that's all they could ask for. Um, they also do get money from this for for playing in these league matches. So getting to play it twice just doesn't do anything but bode well for the for the club itself. So um, I don't know when the next game is. I'll have to look at when they rescheduled it. I think it's in like the next two weeks. They do it fairly quick. Um, yeah. So. Cause they got to move on to the next round. So yeah, they got to get it laid out fairly quickly, but uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Super excited for Wrexham. Um, I think uh, I also love the fact that the, one of the owners is an Eagles fan too. So there's also that note. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not the Deadpool. It's Rob McElhenney. Yeah. <laughs> if you've watched welcome to Wrexham, you get it. Yeah, it's a good series. Check it out. You'll fall in love with Wrexham because I fell in love with Wrexham and I had no idea who they were until this series. Did you start watching it because of the Wrexham updates? Uh, I think I just started watching them because, yeah, because you guys started, we started talking about Wrexham and then the I saw the series was on Hulu and I started watching it and I was like, this is a great underdog story. Yeah. 
I, it's it's everything. Uh, ironically, it's like the an American story in a yeah. way because it's like from rags to riches, kind of like coming from the the rock bottom and working your way up. You know, striving and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah it's they, very inspiring. They, they were a top team at one point, long, 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 long time ago, and they just like they kept falling and falling and falling, and they've spent the last fifteen ish years at the fifth level. And yeah. th- this is kind of where they where they've bottomed out. There's yeah. a lot and, of parallels with them in the Oakland A's. Exactly. As, yeah. I mean, the reason why they bottomed out to Vince's point is that the ownership was just terrible. The ownership yeah. sucked him know, dry, was, man. Yeah, he was just trying to make profit off of whatever he could. And um, now that they're under new ownership, things be, seem to be going in the right direction. So um, if you're an A's fan, you might like them too because there's a lot of parallels for you. Sweet. Yeah. All right, guys. Any any final points after after the Rexham update? I'm all set, man. All right, guys. Uh, everybody out there in podcast land, YouTube land, thank you so much for listening to the SVT podcast. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Hit the subscribe bell and uh, get those notifications for our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SVT Sports Pod. Slide into our DMs. We would love to interact with you. All right, good night, you beautiful, beautiful creatures. (laughs) Good night, guys. Bye. Later.